Numbers chapter 10. If you can open your Bibles there. The book of Numbers. The book that counts. I know. I know it's cheesy. We've seen quite a bit happen here in Numbers already. There in the beginning, the numbers were for what? He counted the people, put them in order, getting everybody ready for what? The promised land, getting ready to move. Remember, preparation has to happen before people can move, before people can be used of God, before people can go into battle. And so Moses has numbered the people and put them into the 12 tribes. We have them set up. Remember that? North, south, east, and west around the tabernacle. We see them sitting around there and they move in a certain way and they act at a certain moment and they go into battle at certain times. And there must be great preparation. It's, it's, it's a beautiful tack. It's almost like God the general. Or God is using... Yeah, God's the general. And you, you see the five-star general and you see Moses there is kind of like this commanding chief kind of looking over everything, the active guy on duty there. And he is getting everybody rallied up, getting the troops ready for battle and ready to move into the promised land. Takes great preparation. Takes great preparation for you and me to enter into battle. Every single day we need to be what? Prepared. How can you go into battle if you're not prepared? What if you don't have your sword? You're going down. Come on, battle me. I got my sword. Who's going to win? I'm Bruce Lee. No, Bruce Lee, you're going down. I have a sword. I have a gun. If you don't have your weapon when you go into battle, you're going down. Number two, if you're not putting on the armor of God daily, again, you're going down. The way we do that is through reading His Word. The flesh comes to attack. The enemy comes to attack. I've hidden these words in my heart, O Lord, that I may not sin against you. It's the only way we can prevail. Spending time with our Jesus. Getting to know Him. Walking side by side with Him. Getting prepared. We've been watching this preparation happen. And we are going to see something new happen here in Numbers chapter 10. I love how the the chapters just so seem to fall perfectly on the day that we teach. So in Numbers chapter 10 here, we see the people getting ready. And something happens here. They begin to move. So let's look at Numbers chapter 10, verse 1. You ready? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver. Of a whole piece shalt thou make them, and you may use them for the calling of the assembly. And for the journey of the camps. We'll stop there. Let me pray again. Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, this is your word. You wrote it. You know it best. I don't know what to say. And I don't know how to say it. So please fill me new and afresh with your spirit right now. And let the people see the fresh manna from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see two trumpets of silver being made. Whole pieces. Now, these trumpets are not... The trumpet that you would see in this day with little three little actions on there. Anybody play trumpet? Nice. I'd have you do a solo right now, but I won't. I think it was something more shaped like pictures. The more the longer solid piece of silver, carved out, shaped out, molded, beat into place. You take one piece and just start beating it. And it becomes one of those long horns. Now, these things are used in many different ways. I'm going to see that tonight. But the first two ways we see is for assembling the people, for bringing the people together. And the second one we see is for when it's time to go for journey. So, everybody get in front of the tabernacle. 
That's what happened. They did. They heard certain calls and they came. Okay, they, they heard certain sounds and they were in tune. And I love this. I mean, I love that how we read through Leviticus and, and through these Old Testament books and we see really practical things happening. Things that really jog our minds and really get us to remember and understand. Simple things. Like I remember when I was trying to get people's attention in the high schools, I always always say, when they start you know, talking amongst each other and getting distracted, some kid opening his backpack or something, I would say eyeballs, and they would say click. I would tell them, like this. You guys say click. when I, Eyeballs, click. No, again, eyeballs, eyeballs. You see, and it just like, they heard the sound, and instantly they were... They're focused. When the alarm clock goes off in the morning, (laughs) some of us are up. (laughs) Not all of us. There are certain sounds that really get to our ears, and this trumpet, I'm sure, cut through the people and cut through the tents, probably very high pitch, and they use it in different tones, different lengths. The second was for journeying, taking off, moving. I don't know what the sound was. Do, do, do. I just made it up. (laughs) It's pretty good, huh? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, snap, it's time to go. That's the sound. We've heard it a million times. We know it. It's time to start journeying. Moses is going to call us up, and we're going to get together. Start packing your stuff. Get ready. Let's move on here and see what else they were used for. Verses 3 through 7, I'm going to read. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to the, at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow but one trumpet, remember one, then the princes, which are heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather themselves together. When you blow an alarm, then the camps that lie on the east parts shall go forward. When you blow an alarm the second time, then the camps that lie on the south side shall take their journey. They shall... Oh, the wind. Hold on. But when the congregation is together, be gathered together, verse 7, you shall blow, but you shall not sound an alarm. And we're going to stop there. Did I miss verse 6? They shall blow an alarm for their journeys, but when the congregation is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but you shall not sound an alarm. We'll stop there. So... Two different things, again, we see here. We see, number one, when both are blown, both trumpets, two of them, remember there's two made out of a piece of silver. When both are blown, you hear this, I don't know what you hear, you hear double the sound, maybe even harmonies going on there. I don't know the way these things were designed. But you hear a certain sound when both come forward, and the people come together and gather in front of the tabernacle. They gather in front of the tabernacle. Man, wouldn't that be sweet? What if we, as a city, were one church, met in one building, met in one place, and guess what? We had the megaphones up everywhere, and all of a sudden when that trumpet sounded, that that double trumpet, that sound that is very specific, we heard that we as a church came together and met in front of the tabernacle, one congregation we assembled together. What a day that would be. remember having a vision a long time ago, and I don't know if it's still going to happen, it was kind of a dream, and I don't know if it was me, myself, making it up or thinking it up, but I longed for the day. I don't know if the day would ever come. But when a pastor would go over to another church and say, Hey, we're bringing our whole congregation over to your church this week. Is that okay? And we want you to teach us. And we want you to lead the worship and bless our congregation. 
And we just want to be a family with you. We just want to be the church the way it's supposed to be. And then that pastor would say, you know what, our whole church is coming over to your place next week because you guys have been so gracious to us. And, you know, we're going to tie it to your church this week. Everybody's going to give to your ministry and what's going on here. And the family of God started to come together. And I was, always, I was thinking it would be so cool. I used to look for land. That's what I used to do for work. I used to go drive around looking for property to buy for my boss. And um, that's what I do. I just look for land. And I remember driving up in Lake Matthews and there's huge pieces of property. And I just thought it would be the sweetest thing. We just bought a huge piece of property out there. All the churches just came and made a dump like you know, 10, 20 grand. Just all the churches together. Maybe some dump more. We go up there and just buy a huge piece of land. No building, no nothing. And like once a month, all the church, everybody, the church of Riverside, the Riversideians, we all go up, we all go up and, and one church di- leads different every single month, you know, we just have, and you just set it up. And then all of a sudden the entire body of Christ is up there celebrating together, out there in the middle of the field, just worshipping our king, everybody, I mean, can you imagine David, the king, standing before the congregation, I mean, how many Christians will we have up there once a month? A million? I don't know. Just they would come from Orange County, L.A., everywhere, just be like, we got to go to this, man. And then all of a sudden, it's just like everybody on your face before the living God. And all of a sudden, it's like... And all of a sudden, it's just quiet. Just You can hear nothing. Be still and know that I am God. What are all these people doing on their face before the living God? Then maybe somebody would pray or just start exalting the Lord, and we'd just all praise God. Maybe that's a vision for somebody here tonight. Maybe there's somebody here that's going to carry that on. I don't know. Maybe the Lord's speaking to your heart and saying, you know what, I'm going to pull that off. If it's you, then do it. Step out. If it's me, when the day comes, I will do it. We'll part that Red Sea. We'll make the stand by that property. This is what happened here. The trumpets blew, and all of the people, they say there could have been up to 3 million people. Maybe not at this time, but there was a lot of people there. And all of the people gathered in front of the tabernacle. One body, one soul, one mind, moving together in one direction. And Moses was their man that spoke to God and they listened. And when one trumpet is blown, one trumpet, it says here, when one trumpet is blown, all the leaders, this says the princes and the King James, but all the leaders of the tribes would come together. That'd be great. Megaphone, here we go. Woo! That means what? That means all the leaders of the churches. Bring your elf, bring the leaders. It needs to be a time of exhortation. We got a problem in the church. We got a problem in the body. Acts 15. We're going to settle it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to deal with it. Oh, happy day. Moses had this happening right here using these trumpets. I have a quote here from one ham. It says, if we follow Jewish tradition, long blasts, long blasts, long blasts were used to assemble the people to Moses, to the tent of meetings and for worship. The short blasts were used in battle to order the camps to move off. Man, I should have brought the chauffeur, huh? I could have lit it up for you guys, man, just... We got this giant horn that I brought back from Israel. Me and Jay, a couple of the guys bought it for Robert. And it's just this bad, like, horn. This is fat neck on it. I mean, anyways, could have blown it. But these short blasts, again, used for battle or to move. 
and the long blasts were used to assemble the people in front of the tent and for worship. Let's move on to verse 8 here. 8 and 9, I'm going to read. It says, And if you go to war in your... I'm sorry, verse 8. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with, blow with the trumpets, and they shall be no be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you, then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpet, and you shall be reminded or remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. Verse 8, who's the only ones that are allowed to blow the trumpets? Aaron and the, Le- and the Levites, the priests. Aaron and the priests, Aaron and his sons. No one else is to touch these trumpets. No one else is to come near them. And God is very serious about this stuff. We see Him. Anybody comes near the tabernacle, remember, they'd be slaughtered, man. You don't walk in the tabernacle. You don't come in there unless you're a priest. You're Aaron, the high priest. God is dead serious about this stuff. And no one is to blow the trumpet. I, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, some guy wanting to, maybe, just like want to run up and grab the trumpet and blow it, but... I couldn't imagine, but God is dead serious about this, and He says they are the only ones that are to do it. But secondly, you know, that just brings to leadership. I don't know, you just think about leadership in the church, real quick. The ones to be tooting the horn, and a lot of times, those of you who are in leadership, you need to know this, that you don't raise people up too quick to be blowing the horn. <laughs> they'll blow that thing like crazy, man, and they'll blow too much. They grab the horn when they're not supposed to. If you're ever to lead a group or ever to start discipling somebody, friends, all of you here, which I I count on you, and I would encourage you that if you're not discipling and you can, you better get busy. What are you doing? We who can disciple must be passing the torch. What are you waiting for? But if you die today, have you discipled anyone? You have not passed on what God has given you. And you each have gifts, and you each have opportunities that you can do. And if, and if you're not, you can't disciple, and you're not being discipled, then go and ask someone. Please disciple me. Please let me sit under you. Please let me listen. Please, I want to blow the trumpet one day. I want to be a part. Okay? And so as you take people under your wing, you teach them slowly. You bring them up slowly. You do not bring them up quick. Because if you bring a man up quick, before their time, it is very hard to sit them down. You see this all over in the church. You rise somebody up, give them opportunity. And then what? After you give them opportunity, you can't tell them no anymore. You see it in worship teams all the time. You got musicians that cannot play the instrument, and it's you're like Josh. That's cruel. No, no, no. It says skills, skilled musicians in the Old Testament. Skilled. That's the ones that were playing for David. It's like you raise a person up, and they cannot do it correctly. They cannot keep up. And then you, what are you going to do? Go and tell them uh, you're terrible. <laughs> uh, you can't play anymore. No, no, no. You see, so you don't do that. You raise people up slowly. Teaching. You take it easy. You give people opportunity here and there. You don't give them the big dog opportunity and they blow it. And then it's on your back. You raise people up slowly and you disciple slow, friends. Disciple. Teach them to blow the horn. Teach them to do it right. Yeah. You know what discipleship is? It's not sitting down and teaching a study for 30 minutes once a week. And I've done this, and I've been at fault of this for many times in my life. I thought that me just spending time with somebody for a little bit and pouring into them, well, I'm discipling them. No, no, no. 
Watch what Jesus did with his disciples, and that's discipling. He walked with them. He got to know them. He let them touch his wounds. Day by day. And I would encourage you, those of you, disciple one. Try one person. Go and ask them, hey, you know what? I'd like to disciple you. Jump off the cliff. I don't want you to disciple me. You're, you're a slacker. <laughs> Dang. Okay. Sorry. Um, okay. Maybe you don't need to say it even to them. I mean, I would love for certain men to come and just say, I'm discipling you, Josh, and you're not going to do anything. Hey, man, take, wherever you want to go, I'll follow. You know, it's like, I would love for that to happen. But maybe you should just start discipling them. Maybe just wrap your arm around them. Just start hanging out with them. Call them all the time. Get those people in your mind. Start praying for them daily. Start calling them up. Hey, you want to go hit some golf balls? Hey, you want to go play, you know, whatever. You want to go shopping? Let's hang, let's hang out. Start doing things. It doesn't have to be talking about Jesus all day, every day. You don't have to force the conversation. It'll come up. It'll happen. Just pray for them. Minister to them. Encourage them. Amen? You guys hearing me? This is needed. Right here, you guys are a solid group. You guys love Jesus. You guys know the King. You've known Him for a while. We need to start doing this, friends. What's that statistic? If Billy Graham preached to, I think, 30,000 people every day for a year, it would still take like a thousand years to evangelize the whole world or some crazy number like that. And But if one person discipled one person, I think it's... I don't remember what the statistic is. Every couple months or something like that. Took them under the wing and started to minister to them. It'll only take like 30 years for the entire world to be discipled. What are we waiting for? Teach them to blow the horn. Don't let anyone touch it that isn't supposed to. Only the priests. In verse 9, very interesting here. If you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you, you blow the alarm with the trumpet, you shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. Did you see that? If you go into battle, if you're about to fight, and you sound the alarm with a trumpet, you sound the alarm. Then it says, God will remember you. Now, has God forgotten you? No. God does not forget anything. He doesn't know how. Listen to this. Isaiah 49 verse 14 it says but Zion said the Lord has forsaken me or forgotten me the Lord has forgotten me in verse 15 can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb surely they may forget or even if they do yet I will not forget you see I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands your walls are continually before me Friends, if you know the king, he will never forget you. He does not know how. He is thinking about you all day, every day. Even though we only think about him for 30 seconds or 5 minutes or maybe 10 in our day. 30? An hour? 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. His mind is on you. He is not forgetting you. He is thinking about you. And God says here that if you blow the trumpet, I will remember you. 
It's not that he forgot. I think it's more something like this. When you blow the trumpet, what does it do? You were keeping my command. What did I tell you to do? Blow the trumpet. And so what are you doing? You are remembering me. You are remembering that I am the one who is going to pull through for you. You are putting your faith in me by blowing the trumpet, you see. It's about stepping out in faith. It's about doing the thing that God has commanded you to do. Believing Him that He is going to pull through. Listening. And so many times in our life, we, we Christians, you guys, followers of Jesus, you know. You know what you need to do when you go into battle. You know how to blow the trumpet. You know what to be doing. You know how to fight the flesh. You know how to resist temptation. But we don't blow the trumpet. That's why we don't win the battles. You guys, I fight the same thing too. You must understand. I go through the struggles also. I rethink things through over and over and over and try to justify. It is the craziest thing. I've been teaching the Bible for like seven years. So I was like 18 in my high school. And I think about how I justify things. And it's just amazing how I can cause myself to start beating around the bush and allow things to slip in my mind. I know how to blow the trumpet. I know how to defeat and win in the battle. I know how to, my, how to see my em- enemies be destroyed. But I don't blow the trumpet. Did you blow it today? You say, yeah, Josh, I did. Amen. Continue. I didn't blow, man. I didn't blow the trumpet. I missed it. Blow tonight. Take in the word tonight. Worship your God from your heart, mind, and soul in this moment right now. You praise your king during the sermon. You praise your king after. Walk up and pray for somebody. Walk up and minister to somebody. Blow that horn. And watch your God prevail in your life. Amen? Let's move on. Verse 10. Also, in the day of your gladness and in your solemn days, and in the beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings that they may be to you for a memorial before your God I am the Lord your God what is it speaking about it says first blow the trumpet in gladness man blow it when you're happy blow that thing during festivals and celebration remember all the feasts we just went through them do you guys remember the seven feasts you blow those trumpets during the seven feasts to remember God for memorial. And you blow these things at the beginning of each month. You blow it after the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. You blow those things. To remember your God. Continually bringing you back to your God. These trumpets were set into play to a sound to go off in your ear. An alarm, your phone goes off. You know your tone. You know your ringtone. Nobody else knows that thing, okay? When it goes off, you're alert. You know. Sometimes when somebody has your ringtone, it's like, I know that's mine. You're accustomed to that sound. And these people started to become accustomed to these sounds. As they were blown, what was it do? To remind them, to remind them of their king, of their God who protects them, who saves them, who has pulled through for them in Egypt the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, the celebrations and the feasts. 
couple tunes that I'm sure if I sing, like maybe uh, makes you think of what? Like a flag waving in the air, fireworks bursting in air, gay brew through the night. What about da na 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 da na na na? It's a wedding, of course. You guys know that. What about this one? Now, this is a story all about how my life turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute and just sit right back and tell you how I became prince of the town called Berlin, right? In West Philadelphia, born and raised on a playground most of my day. Chilling all back, everlasting, all cool, and all shooting some b-ball up and a couple of guys even up no good. Got in one little fight, and my mom got scared, said... Okay, those of you who are wondering what we're singing, it's Fresh Prince, Will Smith. But, you see, it brings you back. You know what I'm talking about. It helps you to remember. Those trumpet blasts brought them back. Every time I'm in the zone, I know exactly what's going on. You know what it is for us? I believe that communion is the one thing that brings us back to Jesus wholeheartedly. There is no man and no woman that can drink the cup or eat the bread who loves Jesus, who knows Him, that cannot spend some quality time. It's like, oh, I'm hungry. Mm. Uh, cracker, juice, yeah, that's good. <laughs> you can't do it. You guys, who know your King, I would encourage you to take communion whenever it's needed. Is there a certain song that just really gets you going, really gets you focused, really gets you back into play about what God has done for you? You need to play that. You need to hit that button every once in a while. There's a song that I've been listening to just a lot, just by the almost. It just talks, the chorus goes, I've been dirtier than you want to know. And then he sings a bridge and says, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name, Master, Savior. It just brings me back every single time what a wretched man that I am and that my Jesus has saved me, man. That he's really pulled through. It really revives me. We all have our trumpets. You need to be blowing them. Amen? Let's move on. Verse 11 through 13 we're going to read. And it came to pass on the twentieth day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from off the tabernacle of testimony. And the children of Israel took their journeys out of the wilderness of Sinai, and the cloud rested in the wilderness of Paran. And they first took their journey according to the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. What happened here? Verse 11, did you see that? The cloud began to move. It came to pass on the 20th day that the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle of testimony. This is crazy. They've been sitting there by Mount Sinai for about a year, okay? They've been hanging out for a year. You know, when you move into a new house, you kind of after sitting there for about a year, hey, it becomes home. You're comfortable, man. It's like, yeah, we've been here for a bit. You know, I got my... I could almost, you know, walk through the house in the dark. You know, I don't need to figure out where I'm going. I understand this is my home now. You've got all the little things that you like to do in certain places and... and 
I don't know, play your guitar or things that I like to do or just or my surfboards. I just everything is complete and it's just right where it's at. It's home. A year that's quite a long time. And guess what? They had made their home, they had set up their tent, and then what happens? All of a sudden the cloud starts to lift off the tabernacle. Okay. Now can you imagine being camped around right we say right now, say we were we were on the uh I don't know, the east side or the south side of the tabernacle. Say the tabernacle's here in the center of us. We're looking over and, okay, there's a tabernacle. You know, here we are. Here's our tribe. And we're the upper room tribe. And, and um, there's a tabernacle. And the cloud is over it by day. And then by night, does anybody remember what happened by night? It turned to what? Fire. The cloud turned to fire by night. So cloud over the tabernacle by day. And at nighttime, all of a sudden, it would burn with fire. Amazing. Then all of a sudden, one day, we're just sitting here. Jason's just like, dude, jo- what, man? The cloud's moving. What? Oh, snap, the cloud's moving. It's, it, it's, it's coming off the tabernacle. The cloud's moving. It's coming off the tabernacle. I mean, it's moving. I think that means... Oh, snap, the horn's going off. It's time to go. Uh, dang, we better start packing. And I was thinking about this a lot. I wonder if the cloud just became normal to them. Like, when, the first time the cloud appeared, there's no clouds in the sky, and all of a sudden there's this cloud just kicking it over the tent. It's like, pff, where'd you come from? You know, why is there a cloud just sitting there? Okay, that's the glory of God, but sitting on top of the tabernacle. And the first week, the cloud is still there. And at night, it burns with fire. Look at this. You can, like, kind of feel the heat almost. It maybe even warms us at night. Interesting. But then, maybe two or three months, four months, five, six months go by. Yeah, this is a cloud. Yeah, this cloud's been there forever. Yeah, that's where God hangs out. You know, I mean, we go there sometimes. Um, it just became boring. It just became same old, same old. The cloud's just kicking it there. Maybe somebody in the camp was blind and now they can see. Just like, snap, look at that, it's, it's fire at night. Yeah, it's, it's fire. We watch that every night. It's no big deal. It, you know, it brightens up our sky. And, yeah, it's like, you know, the Lord's in there. But all of a sudden, the thing starts to move. That thing's moving. Nah, uh, you're just seeing things. No, that's really... Mo- I mean, that thing's coming off the top of there. Look at that. But I don't want to leave. We got the hottest spot in the desert. I just bartered with this guy over here for like this... Look at this big piece of furniture, man. I got some sticks and, you know, nice cloth. And, you know, I got some ghost skin laid on there. It's just it's nice. I just set that up yesterday. I just finished my tent finally. I've been working on it all year, and it's finally just, just exactly how I want it. The stinking cloud's moving. Hey! Hey, get, get down! Cloud, no. It's moving. And the people, some start to panic inside, like, snap, we gotta go now. Moses blowing the horn. And now we gotta go. This is home. I kinda like this. This is nice. Figured out how to catch the lizards. You know, the food's good, all this stuff. It's time to move. Others are rejoicing. Others are stoked about the move. 
might imagine that a huge amount of excitement just started to flow through the veins of some people. Like those of you. When you've been just waiting for something and waiting for something and God pulls through. It's like, yes! I've been waiting for this. My God, I've been praying. And He has delivered me. He's pulled through in a special way. I mean, it's like your bags are already packed. You're ready to go. You walk over to the tent. Johnny down the way for some reason. He's crazy. He's got his bags packed already. I mean, we we just got here. Hey, John. Hey, Johnny. It's been eight months, man. When are you going to unpack? And the man is ready to go. And the cloud begins to move. And it moves to the wilderness of Paran. They go three days' journey, it tells us. But the challenge for our lives is this, friends. The application is found where? Are your bags packed? Seriously. Are you ready to go where God is telling you to go? Are you ready to move at the drop of a hat? Are you so comfortable in your life that if God just moved a little piece here, everything would just fall? It's like, no. Don't do that. Being ready, we are sojourners just moving through this life. We're moving towards heaven. I remember, it was just like, man, I don't want Jesus to come back yet. I remember thinking that my earlier years. I don't, it's like, King, I don't want, I don't want you to come back. Because I, I want to, I want to get married, I want to have kids, you know, I want to have a family, and I'll, I want to have a career and all stuff. I want to experience these things. It's not a bad thing to want to experience those things, it's a bad thing. And it becomes first priority before our king. And friends, the challenge I bring to you tonight is this. Don't allow your life to get so in here that you forget about the king each day in your life. You know what I'm talking about? When you get so consumed about the future and so consumed about what's going to happen the next couple weeks that you forget about that the cloud might be lifting today. Might be out of here, friend. No more time for you. No more time for me. We need to live like Jesus is coming today. We prepare like we'll be here forever. Yes. It's true. But we need to be ready. And I think God is looking for people that are willing to leave all the things behind they have right now, at any time. Matthew, the tax collector, remember? Follow me. He got up and left all. That word, all right there in the Greek means all. He left all. He left everything. He left it all right there on the spot. Right now, Max, the Lord spoke to you and said, follow me and leave all that you have. Manuel, leave all that you have and go. Mike, get in your car and go. The Lord's speaking to you, or has spoken to you, then you need to go. If the cloud is lifting, then take off. Don't walk in the fear of men. Walk in the fear of God. Step out and do what God has called you to do. We need more radical Christians, my friend. Too many of us are comfortable and just hanging out in this life. You know what I'm talking about? Man. To check for my life too? Yes. We need to be ready at any moment for the Lord to tell us it is time now. Now is the time. Right now. And hopefully you would be close to the Lord enough to be listening so that when He says that to you, it's time to go, that you would hear the trumpet blowing and that you'd be ready to go. Take out those earplugs.
start listening. It was the first time these people moved ever. I can't imagine what was going on. It says that right there in the last verse, verse 13, it was the first time the people moved. And maybe this is the first time you need to move. Maybe this is the first time that you need to take a step out and do whatever God is calling to you to do. Is it a new ministry? Is it another state? Is it another country? Is it a family you need to go talk to? Is it Where do you need to step out? What do you need to do? Be listening for the voice of God. Be listening for the trumpet to blow. Be watching for the cloud to lift. Each day. Today. I know I'm hanging on this point a lot, but I'm actually going to skip through a lot of verses, but listen. I believe that God... I believe that the cloud is probably lifted for each and every one of us in this day, but I don't know if we've seen it. And I believe that the trumpet has blown for each and every one of us in this day, but maybe we've missed out on the blessing. I truly believe that God wants to use you in every day of your life and wants to speak to you in a certain special way. And I guarantee if you pray three times a day like Daniel, that you will experience that. If you walk with your king, you will see, you will hear, you will touch, you will experience your king. And your life will be changed. The trumpet will go off and you will be moving. At the grocery store. You'll be moving at the church in miraculous ways. You'll be moving at your workplace after the clock. You'll be doing things that Jesus has called you to do. Me too. Let's move on here. Just real quick, an overview of verses 14 to 28. We're going to skip all of that. Let's move on to the last verses here. Verses 14 through 28, what you see is a description of all the tribes and the leaders of the tribes. Remember? What's just happened? The cloud's lifting! The cloud... It's time to go! Pack up your bags! Let's roll! Everybody's packing up their stuff. And all of a sudden, the leaders, remember, in the first chapters of Numbers there, all of the tribes were aligned in certain numbers and in certain ways. And certain people were to carry the tabernacle. Certain people were to carry different parts of it. The holy things, the sacred objects. And so you see everybody start playing their part and doing their thing. Getting everything ready. They line up and Judah is the first tribe to lead out. I love that. Judah. The line of the tribe of Judah. He is the one who always leads us. He is the one who always goes forward first before us. And that's exactly what happens here. And they get on their journey. Right before that, in verse 29, right during that, verse 29, look at this. Moses said to Hobab, son of Reguel, the Midnight, it's Moses' father-in-law, we are journeying unto the place which the Lord said, I will give it to you, the promised land. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good. For the Lord has spoken good concerning Israel, but he has said unto him, I will not go, and I will depart to mine own land, to my kindred. And he said, Leave us not, Moses, I pray thee, for as much as you knowest how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and that you mayest to be us instead of eyes. It shall be, if you go with us, yea, it shall be, that what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same we will do unto thee. What's happening here is, right before they're about to leave, Moses goes to his father-in-law, he's like, Hobad, 
Hobab, please. Come with us, man. You know this wilderness like the back of your hand. You know everything. We need you on this journey. Please come with us. And he's like, no. I'm staying with my family. I'm not going. And that's interesting right there. He's staying. Hello? The children of Israel are moving into the promised land. Everybody's moving as a unit. Who's this guy? He's breaking off all of a sudden. He's not going to go. And that kind of leads me to believe that maybe others might have been staying. Maybe not everybody moved in. And you know what, friends? A lot of times when you're moving in direction towards the promised land, a lot of your friends don't want to come. Christians don't want to come. I remember Eddie up in the desert, man. Eddie, I'll never forget him. Eddie, if you're listening, man, bless your heart. Eddie would always be like, Josh, let's go pray for four hours. I was like, dude, I don't want it. Come on, man. Come on, guys. Who wants to pray with me for four hours? Come on. I really want to go seek the face of the Lord. I'm like, let's go talk to him. Let's go spend time with him. Come on. We got the wilderness, right? We got the desert out here. Let's go up on that mountain and call out to our God. Let's pray for some people. And he's just motivated, man. And everybody's just like, dude. Slackers. Eddie, you go pray by yourself, man. And Eddie would go and pray by himself. He was so discouraged when he came home from Mexico because he went home and he was like, man, let's do this, let's do that. And he just had so much vision and so much passion and nobody wanted to do it with him. So you know what he did? He just started doing it himself. He locked himself in his closet and would pray for hours. He would fast. And he would go on the buses. He would ride the bus all day long on his days off and share Jesus with people. And people would come to know the king, and he would just pray for people. Anybody who got on the bus, he's like, Josh, this is the greatest thing, because they can't get off. <laughs> they got to deal with you. They're stuck there, and you just get to share Jesus with them, man. No, Eddie. And the Lord did amazing. He parted, he's parted many Red Seas in Eddie's life. He used him as he uses Moses. And you know what? You need to go. You need to step out. You need to be the man or the woman that God's called you to be by yourself. Hey, you're going to have friends that are going to hold you up and lift you up and boost you and carry you. But you know what? There's certain things that you're going to want to do. There's certain things that you're going to want to step out in. There's certain, maybe I want to start a prayer meeting and nobody shows up. Then you pray. Don't be discouraged. I want to start a Bible study. No, then start teaching. Continue to teach. Nobody listens. I got one kid at a coffee shop showing up. Christian Laundry in Canada, one of my buddies. And now he's got five. And he is oh, so excited. I say, Christian, just do it, man. Just step out. He stands on the ferry and preaches the gospel because guess what? He's got a captive audience. As they move from island to island, he just goes on the ferries and he stands up and proclaims Jesus. It's because they're radical. They stand up for what they believe. And you guys can do this too. I know it. And I know many of you are doing it already and I applaud you for it. Continue to make the stand. Continue to stand in your workplace and your family be a blessing unto them. They may not want to go with you. They may not want to enter into the promised land right now. But they will eventually. They will see it. They will know. Be persistent. Step out. Continue to move. Let's close up this chapter. Verse 33 through 36. And they, and they departed from the mount of the Lord three days journey. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them and three days journey to search out the resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day. When they went out of the camp, and it came to pass, when the ark set forward, that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them hate thee, let them that hate thee flee before thee. 
And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. Oh. Two phrases spoken here by Moses. The people start traveling. The cloud is hovering over them. It's like, the cloud's following us. It's sick. Right there. We kind of just stand in the shade and keep walking with it. Corson brings a picture to the table. He says, when you walk with God, you got it made in the shade. It's true, you know? You follow that cloud. You walk with your Lord. And every time, things are going to be cool. You're going to have it made in the shade. There's going to be a nice breeze in your day. And what did Moses do? When the ark went forward, and every time it went forward, he says, he says, rise up, O Lord. Let the enemy scatter before you. Ones who don't fear you, ones who hate you, let them be scattered, let them run. Every time. And then every time that thing settled, what did he do? He asked the Lord, please, rest upon your thousands of people. Rest upon, please be with us. Please, God. And family, what a lesson we can learn from these two statements. Spurgeon says, this is the way we need to pray every single day. He says there in the quote, he says, Lock yourself in your closet, get on your knees, and ask your God to rest upon you. To rest upon you and to be with you. The sweet prayer of Moses that we can be praying. Both of these prayers in each day of our lives. In the beginning, O Lord, rise up against those who come against you. At the end of the day, at the end of your night, rest. On me, King. Rest with me, Jesus. Be close to me. Right on time. We're at 30, I think, right now. Praise the Lord. Family? We can be spiritually called the children of Israel moving through this wilderness of life. And we are entering towards what? The promised land. We have our cloud in the sky, our God. Okay, there's one cloud hovering over us. Maybe not. But our God is with us. And I care about you guys. And I don't want you to be the one who's bummed to move their stuff when it's time to move. But I do want you to be the one who is rejoicing and excited about the changes. Who is rejoicing and excited about the changes in your life. Is there trial or tribulation going on right now in your life? Is there hard times? Praise your king. Raise up your fist and celebrate. Blow that horn. Be excited about change. Be excited about the moves that God has for you. Be excited about where He is taking you. You're going to the promised land. We're going to be in heaven soon. I was talking with a pastor today. and We were just talking about heaven. How grand it's going to be. I've said it a million times, but there's going to be a day. Maybe it's in uh, 27 seconds. Get ready. When you and I will be standing on the streets of gold. When you and me will actually, we will behold our Jesus. Isn't it amazing? We live for one we've never seen. (laughs) Faith. 
But there is coming a day when you will look into his face and you will see him. And you will hug him. And you will walk hand in hand with him. And I'm hoping that we get a little wrestling match, you know, in the river of life. I'm sure he'll win. He always wins. But some sweet fellowship with my king. When the day comes, I'm going to run up to you and say, Aha. So be ready. Each one of you individually. I hope to hug you and say, Look, we made it. See? I know I talked about it every single week. But we're here. We need to be living for that promised land, friends. Many people say, Christians are so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I say, if you're not heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. You can't be good. And those of you, friends tonight, who are setting your mind on the promised land, setting your mind on heaven each day, what can strike you? What can bring you down? What can challenge you? You're going to the promised land. You're going to be there. Okay? And so I want us to walk away thinking and meditating on this single point. Maybe that's what we can do tonight before we go to bed. Would that be alright? Meditate on your king. Meditate on heaven. Talk to him about it. I dare you. Lord, I want to be with you soon. And I long for the day when we see you face to face. Let's go before our King, amen. Let's talk to him. Father, we see Numbers chapter 10 tonight. This book that begins the journey to the promised land. And maybe there are many here tonight, Lord, who are just beginning the journey of walking with you. Opening their hearts to be able to go and do whatever you would ask them. And Lord, I believe there are many, even in this moment, just making decisions to following you in that way, starting to follow you and seek you and be prepared to walk with you in that way in this day. And I thank you for that. And I pray that you would bless them. Those of you who are speaking to the Lord right now or talking to Him, or if you want to, I would just just yell yay and amen from your heart. You just speak to Him in your within yourself right now communing with the Lord just talking to Him about that and Lord I ask that you would prepare the rest of us to be ready to move at any time ready to change our lives for you you bought our lives with a price this is your life not ours and so we willingly lay down our lives for you today Jesus and we submit and we commit anything you need Lord anything you want for us God please break our legs out from under us and you make us the men and women you have called us to be. That any... I will pray this. Lord, that any kind of affliction fall upon us people. That you can humble us, break us, mold us, and shape us into the men and women 
that will change this earth, that will change Riverside for you, King. Whatever situations we need to go through to be humbled and pleased, we are willing and ready. And if you are willing, then just say yea and amen from your heart. But God, we want to become your people. And we're willing to run through the desert for 40 years in the wilderness to become so that we can enter into the things you have for us in this life. Prepare us. Make us your people. We are sitting here and standing here ready to be used by you. Thank you for listening, God. Thank you that you're a God that hears. Thank you that you're a God that doesn't forget us. Thank you you're a God that pulls through in every situation. Thank you for being so good to us, King. We love you. And we would die for you, King. Thank you for all you've done tonight. Bless these as they go. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Love you guys. And I truly believe that you are the army. You are the team that God's going to use in special ways this week. Seriously, listen up. This week. Let's do something radical. You don't need to bomb any place or do nothing crazy. Jesus bomb, no I mean. Down for that. But listen. If God's spoken to you specifically about something, step out this week. Maybe it's not the time for some of the longer things that need to happen, but you know what I'm talking about, those short term things. Special instances where you need to step out, I would encourage you and challenge you to step out and do whatever it takes to accomplish the things that God is speaking to you in. And I promise you, you will be blessed. Josh, I'm scared. It's okay. Step out and let God, let Him show Himself faithful to you time and time again. I promise you, He will. Never failed me. He's never going to fail. He doesn't know how. Amen? Be blessed tonight, family. I love you guys. Walk away celebrating. Blow that trumpet. Blow it. Everybody, give me a... We're going to do it together, okay? I'm serious. Here we go. <laughs> okay, now, so that's the, that's the tune that we're going to do. So now we're all going to do it. Ready? One, two, three. Those of you who didn't do it, no blessing for you. <laughs> no, praise the Lord. <laughs>